This is episode number 346, Be the Sun, Not the Salt, with Harry Cohen. Welcome, my name is Oleg Lohit, and this is the Overcoming Odds Podcast, where you get a glimpse into the stories of individuals who have overcome adversity, suffering, and struggle in achieving their personal success. This podcast was built by you and for you to help you overcome adversity, suffering, and struggle in achieving your false potential. Before we get into today's episode, I would like to make a few quick announcements. The first announcement being in regard to our work, and that is if our work has had any form of impact in your life, please consider supporting our cause by either making a contribution through our website at overcomingodds.today or leaving us a review on iTunes, Facebook, or Google so more people can find these inspiring and courageous conversations. The second announcement that I wanted to make is in regard to our recently launched program called Rewrite Your Story. What this is is a program that we've been developing over the past five to six years of working with people from all over the world in helping them rewrite their story, the story of their past, the story of their present, the story of the hardships they have faced in their lives, and helping them reframe those hardships and challenges into opportunities to learn and to grow from. If you feel that this is in alignment with you, please consider visiting our website at overcomingodds.today where you'll be able to find the latest details for how you can be a part of this particular program. Now, let's get back to the show. As I was mentioning to you previously, I, I very much liked uh, reading your book and the reason why is because for me, in the recent years, it, it has become as simple as being able to make a choice as far as do I want to be a, the sun, so kind of um, empower other people and uplift them, or do I want to be the salt and do the complete opposite. And over the years, I've realized that it's become as simple as being able to make that choice. It wasn't always like that. And I, I was curious, kind of from your perspective, when did it make sense to you that it is as simple as being able to choose one and not the other? And then essentially, like you mentioned, you know, having it be component of attitude, behavior, just to everyday life, because I've realized that like when I started to change my life in that way, everything shifted. I mean, I, I no longer showed up the same way in conflict. I didn't engage the same way. Uh, my approach towards people changed completely. I found a lot more, I found a lot less things to be irritated by and more at peace. And so I was curious from you, like, what clicked in your life that made you realize that, like, it maybe is as simple as this? So, um, first of all, I love that you're doing this work, and I appreciate the work that you're doing. And my wish and hope is that someone listens to any of your podcasts and this one and gets something of real value and their life is uplifted by it. So let me just start by that. And in answering your question, there wasn't a time that it clicked. I've been a seeker of truth, oh, ever since I would say high school. Mm. So I'm I'm older now and I believe a little bit wiser. I'm 67 and have lived many lives. And 
married for 42 years and a parent of 30-year-old young men. And I don't think it clicked as much as I've been able to distill my life's work into this simple idea based on science, not my opinion, that's congruent and consistent with all the wisdom of the ages and sages and scientific um, studies of human behavior mm -hmm. so that I can use the metaphor of being the sun or the salt, of being heliotropic <clears throat> more simply and easily to practice all the stuff that I've been reading and trying to be and teach and practice my whole life. I mean, it's not any different than the earliest stuff I ever read from, you know, Be Here Now, Ram Das. Mm -hmm. I mean, when you read wisdom, wherever you find it, whether it's, you know, I've heard pre previous guests talk about man's search for meaning. You know, when I was in graduate school, yep, another bag of wisdom. I, you know, I, I wrote a book, Secrets of the Obvious, many, many years ago, 20 years ago, and I talked about success and fulfillment. And I want both. And in Man's Search for Meaning or the Wisdom of the Stoics or Patanjali's Yoga Sutras or any of the, the scriptures of ancient yore or recent psychology, anytime it's like, oh my God, yes, the importance of gratitude, the importance of compassion, the importance of virtues. This is what it means to live a good life mm -hmm. and to be a good person. And so the simplicity of the metaphor is what I am most attracted to and want to spend the rest of my life preaching and teaching and living so that the essence of all wisdom is, all right, sun or salt, hmm. period. So it didn't really click other than I found a metaphor I can surf on and it's it's consistent with all the stuff I've read and experienced over my lifetime so that when I read nonfiction books or listen to podcasts or watch a TED talk, it's like, oh my God, I love that. And then I'll forget it. Mm -hmm. So what I love about this is I don't forget this. It's easy. Sun or salt. Are you uplifting or are you a dick? Mm -hmm. In the tiniest way. And and it's not that it clicked. It's more that I now can distill my life and my life experience into how am I doing? <laughs> you being you being grateful in this moment? Are you being kind and uplifting? Are you being curious? Or are you being, you know, contracted in some way, shape, or form? So there wasn't a moment where it clicked, Oleg, but rather I feel like when I committed to, okay, this is my life's work, I don't have to wonder, is it true? I now just look for more ways to talk about it and live it. And I'll tell you one just recently, which is a friend of mine said, just hold this question. How can I be more kind? Don't answer it. Don't try and answer it with, so give me some techniques to be more in the present moment or more kind or more the sun and less just hold the question. Mm -hmm. I love that. You know, just holding the question as a technique, you don't have to answer it because it's in the intention to be uplifting that you're going to be uplifting. doesn't matter how you do it. However, Oleg does it. He'll do it great. So honestly, 
long answer to there wasn't a moment, but man, oh man, am I excited about the simplicity and utility of what this has meant and does mean to me. I know how nutritious it is. I want to make it more delicious for people so that people listening to this go, oh yeah, I don't have to read another book. I know you can read more books or listen to more podcasts, but all I got to do is remember and live sun or salt. Mm. And I'll stop because I could just keep on blabbing. <laughs> Would you say that at this point, having found this metaphor, which, which is very simple and it's kind of, does it add additional meaning yeah. to your life and, and everything that you've kind of built to this particular point? Yeah, it adds meaning and sort of it's a doorway to all the different ways of being the sun or the salt. So I'm just constantly looking for more. Ooh, there's another beautiful way of talking about it and or living it. There's another example of it. I'm going to be doing a podcast and... Maybe you can be on my podcast in terms of how to spread this. I was talking to my son this morning and he was making um, breakfast for his girlfriend. They're visiting. And I thought it was such a beautiful expression of being the son, of being generous and kind and thoughtful and considerate. And you could say, well, that's no big deal, but it isn't no big deal. It's beautiful. And I think I now can, I'm more attuned and more, uh, sensitive to examples of sun and salt so that my eyes are like oh isn't that beautiful isn't yeah. that lovely another example another example on either side when somebody's being rude or myself being a little you know salty it's like oh yeah another example <laughs> yeah it, it's like it opens up my eyes to all the different ways that it shows up which is very very cool you know it's a really beautiful experience that you just described because I found the same exact thing that the more that I chose to focus on a lot of these different principles, the more that life presents you with opportunities to learn and to engage. Like I bet it's the same exact way in your case, like being a son and assault, you know, one day you might be approached with conflict and then you get to choose like, okay, which one do I want to be? So I've, I've ultimately found that when I started to simplify many of the principles in my life, all of these opportunities just start to reappear and they happen on a daily basis, yeah. right? And you, you can't really predict the event that you're going to get an opportunity to practice. I mean, it's going to happen when you're walking a dog and talking to your son or making breakfast or there's some bug crawling under your wall, right? And you, you get to choose. And I think oftentimes I found throughout my own journey, it's the choice that gets forgotten. Yeah. The fact that well, you, you can still make a choice to behave otherwise. So that insight, so that there's some juice around that insight, which I find fascinating. It seems like it's a choice every moment, yes. Mm. And so how come we react like idiots and become salty? If I, if I know it's a choice, well then why do I? I don't have to look at anybody else because I can do it too. And the answer is, it seems like it's not a choice. It seems like it's a reflex. And there's some science behind, yep, it's not always your choice, buddy. So for example, when a, you know, when a branch snaps in the woods and you, and you react, somebody cuts you off and your whole body tenses, 
um, or someone elbows you or says something, you know, like, ow, it seems like it's not a choice. Well, that's because our minds are geared to react quickly, not as thoughtfully as we would like. So that, you know, the whole prefrontal cortex thing, like it's not always, well, I'll choose to just not say anything <laughs> when someone steps on my toe. No, you immediately go, ow, that's not exactly a choice. I think I'll choose to say, ow, uh-uh, there's no, there's no thinking. It's reactionary. It's in the split second or five seconds after we react that the choice does present itself. That is where the choice is. How long do we stay irritated? I immediately get irritated or torqued or triggered or ticked off or whatever. Okay. As soon as you notice it, how long are you going to hang with that irritation there, buddy? So I often joke, I want to get to like seven seconds, you know, not, not longer than that. Five seconds, three seconds, but I'm going to get torqued. You know, if it's seven minutes, that's a long time. Seven hours, seven days. <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? Like, yes. when, when was the last time you got pissed? You go, I shouldn't have gotten pissed. No, no, no. You're going to get pissed, but make it short. Spl oh, 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 oh. This one just happened last week. I was flying first class back from a place and I'm in first class and they didn't have a meal because I was the last row and you're going to get some cheese and some cold cuts. And I, I had a bit of an attitude. I had a... I just for, I don't know, it was a full minute of well, what's that about? You know, it was <laughs> longer than I care to admit. And uh, I just find that amusing, but real. Cause I was pissed would too, be too strong, but clearly irritated. Like I didn't make the guy feel good. I, I, I didn't say, oh, don't worry about it. I said, well, why is that? Yeah. <laughs> and just was a little bit like, the entitled traveler that is expecting my first class meal. I was just enjoying my own awareness of being a bit of a dick. Mm. Would you say that in most situations or not even most situations, but would you say that most or some of us, whatever the number looks like, are we more reactive by default? Yes. hundred percent. That's how we're wired. It's not to be blaming ourselves. It's a really great point. We are reactive as a default <clears throat> way of op our operating system is a default system. Great way to understand it, which is first we react, then we start thinking about it. Um, we're feeling creatures with thoughts. We're not thinking creatures first. So we feel things and then we put a bunch of thoughts around them. One of your guests was talking about, you know, the stories that we tell about what happens to us. It's exactly right. We start telling stories, but we're reactive creatures. And then we make up stories. And so, yep, it's a default way we're wired. If you understand that, you can forgive yourself and others more quickly because you go, oh, that's just my reaction. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't take much stock in the fact that I, I reacted that way. Yeah, it's no big deal. And I, I like that I can forgive myself quickly. I'd like to be able to forgive others quickly for their behaviors, but I'm, I'm quick to judge them. You know, they should know better. You know, what are they going to be so rude for? You know? Oh, trust and, me. I've, I've been there more times than I could count by this point. <laughs> exactly. And your chuckle, your smiling chuckle, Oleg, 
gives you the insight into, yeah, I don't, that's that's not my best self. I don't want to be that. <laughs> right? That's the smile. Yes. Yes. That's why you're chuckling because you know better. And and I want, what, what I want is for people to go, oh, got it. I now know how to be. I now know how to be. I, I now I can spend the rest of my life working at it. Not like, oh, like drudgery. I'm working on being a good person. But in like, oh, no, 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 no. I know what to do. Ooh, ooh. Like anything, playing golf or pickleball or anything that you're trying to learn. Like, okay, I can I can work at this and have fun and not get all pissy about, ah, I should be better at this thing called life. Yeah. Oh, knock yeah. it off. You know, we're all a work in progress. And that's something that I realized. And, and I was kind of curious how you approached this in your life. For me, I think a huge element of forgiveness came from realizing that I'm probably always going to be a work in progress. Totally. You know, I'll never be a masterpiece. It's totally. never going to be a finished product. And even in its situations, I, I like how you mentioned when you catch yourself reacting in a certain way, and then you think about it, it's like, well, maybe that wasn't the best self and you kind of course correct and you change your behavior. I found the same exact things. No matter how much I practice this element of awareness and all these techniques, there are going to be situations when all of those tools are going to be tested and you're going to have to develop new tools. 100%. That's it in a nutshell. It's not like what you said is exactly true. We are never going to be a masterpiece. And if you think you're a masterpiece, yeah, wait a second. And that's <laughs> a great point. You know, I mean, I, I want to be an enlightened being. And I joke, yeah, I'm, I like to act like I already am. I'm not. Give me a break. A masterpiece. Another way of putting it. You know that I'm a masterpiece? Yeah, right. Give me a break. It's forever and the chuckle and the joy and the fun of not working on myself like I'm uh, chisel chiseling away, but rather with a light touch and a gentle hand. And that's the beauty of, you know, loving parenting or friendship or, you know, training a dog, you know, you're training yourself in the same way. Come on, honey. Come on, I got to be careful. My dog's lying down. If I say it in a certain way, <laughs> she'll, she'll pop up and say, what, are we going somewhere? <laughs> you know, I, it's, when I was sitting for meditation, it's like, you know, your mind goes running off and then you bring it back to your breath. Your mind goes running off, you bring it back. It's like telling little YOLO here, you know, come on, we're going to heal, heal. That's it, heal. There you go. And then she goes running off. And it's a continual, 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 this way, this way, this way. There you go. And, you know, as long as you're having fun doing it and it's not like work, then you get the joy of hanging out with your loved ones, whether that be your dog or yourself or your mate or your friends. And there's no struggle, you know, gritting of the teeth. I'm working on myself. Oh, man, you poor thing. <laughs> Lighten up, if you know what I mean. I, I like that you mentioned how even in situations of training a dog simultaneously, really what you're doing is also training yourself. And I think the same exact thing is true when it comes to people. And I know that you talk about there's a chapter in your book where you talk about the people that you surround yourself with and the energy that they give you. And so I'm wondering, what is the fine line if there is one between kind of wanting certain Wanting, wanting people to behave a certain way based on how you perceive the world 
and not having not having the desire to control them to change in that particular way. So wisdom, and I love that you brought it up. Look, I wrote this book to be a reminder. The book is, uh, I joke, it's a timeless toilet read. You can read one chapter and, and be reminded. They're one-page chapters. To your point, be good company, keep good company, avoid people who, you know, are like cilantro that, you know, are, are not, not good for you. They're people who who are allergic to cilantro, it tastes like soap. So they should you should avoid people like that. Well, if we try and make people a certain way, we are going to be frustrated and disappointed. And that's just how the world works. People are not going to conform to our expectations of how they should be. We'll be forever bugged and irritated. How come he, she isn't behaving the way I would like them to? That's a recipe for disappointment and being sort of bummed and irritated. So that's just how humans are. However, if you're a parent or a leader or someone in charge of helping someone be a certain way, that's a different type of relationship. And you have to find, one has to find, what's the best way to help them be that way? From my perspective, that's being um, the best version of yourself, whether that be loving and demanding and straightforward and direct and truthful, reverent and brave, you know, um, how do you help someone be their best self? There isn't one answer. It's good question. Figure it out. Try different things. How do you help? And I don't want to say that dogs are people, but how do I help my dog be a good dog? I Pay attention. <laughs> I am, you know, my, my friend says uh, dogs lead, need equal measure love, discipline, and exercise. And I think it's probably true for people too. Mm. So, I mean, you know, it depends on, you know, your relationship. If you're talking about a two-year-old, an eight-year-old, or a 30-year-old, or a colleague, or a spouse, or a direct report, or a perfect stranger, they're all different. So my job is to be the best possible influence with and for and on the people around me. Wanting them to be a certain way is, you know, that's my thing. How can I help them? You know, if I'm trying to teach my kids to say please and thank you, I can say, depending on their age, remember to say please and thank you. Now they're 30, not my, they're still my kids. And if we're out to dinner and one of them doesn't say please or thank you to the server, and I would like them to, I'm not going to say anything. I'm just not. Because I don't think, I think, I'm just telling you right now, it'd be kind of weird. Yeah, saying please and thank you. They're 30. They know how. They're, they're wonderful, considerate young men, but they might not say it. So I'm going to let it slide and say please and thank you myself. That's that's an example of like, well, I'd like my kids to say please and thank you or take their dish to the sink. You know, I can do one of two things. I can ignore it. I can say, would you take your dish to the sink when you're when you're visiting us or neither? I mean, you know, and and it's all fine. You know, at no, what it, point would you say that changed? I don't know. I think it's a good question. I think it's forever changing. I'm wanting to be a learner right up until I die. I'm wanting to be an aware person. 
it's I'm a brand new father of 30 year old fraternal twin young men. When mm -hmm. I say brand new, man, oh man, parenting when kids are four is different when they're 14 and 24 and now 30. And I'm learning. When is it changing? It's forever changing, Oleg. I'm still trying to pay attention to be a, a great boss and leader and friend and husband and father. Man, oh man, I, I don't know how to do that. I'm just trying real hard, you know, in a gentle way to be a good dad. So it, it didn't change, but I've learned to shut up. I, I can, and that, that, that's not like past tense. I'm learning. <laughs> I, 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 I haven't learned anything. I'm learning. It's not like I figured it out. I, I, come on. When, when my kids are telling me something, and by the way, kids, they're 30. How old are you, Oleg, by the way? 29, going to right. be 30 in February. So, mm -hmm. Exactly. So they're your age. I, I, you know, if I interrupt you, uh, what's up that what's up with that i should just let you talk and let you finish and not interrupt you so i can learn to shut up more and i'll still have many opinions about how you should live your life because i figured some stuff out so you should do what i figured out but you know, you're gonna have to figure that out right you, you're i mean for me to tell you oh look here's how you should avoid some potholes in life i mean you know if you want to know i'll tell you but I think some you're going to have to fall in and figure out yourself, but I, I, I got to wait for you to ask me, you know, and I'm learning to wait for somebody to ask me. And then I'll try and tell you something that hopefully you'll go, man, that was gold. I think I got a big bag of wisdom and I want to spread it and share it, but I suppose I should wait for you to ask me, you know, and can you hear it? Can you, you know, it's like a lot of times we learn the hard way, like, um, you, you know, your parents or a wise sage can tell you, this is what you should avoid doing. And that's true. But then you got to do it and learn and go, well, I should have listened to my dad or, well, yeah, or you can learn the hard way and, you know, hurt. And man, oh man, I think we learn all different ways. We learn from our own mistakes we learn from our others' mistakes. We learn from wise sages who tell us stuff to avoid, you know, um, I think. And so I, I, I just keep trying to figure it out for myself and try and really be a good, you know, influencer of others and not wanting them to be anything other than their best selves. I often say I want the best for and from other people. Well, I can be an influence in that direction. Yes. I, I, in everyone's journey you cross, most yeah. likely. Mm -hmm. I think so. In everybody's journey, I can be, I know how to bring out the best in other people. And I got to practice doing that more, more frequently, more automatically, more better. Um, even now, I think like, Am I talking too much on your podcast? Am I <laughs> feeling, and I, you know, so I'll stop and ask you, am I talking too much? Am I, you know, you tell me. <laughs> How would you describe your parents? Oh my goodness. They were, and this is only a story that I make up because I don't have any frame of reference other than they're the only parents I got. I could look around and look at other parents and judge them based on them. And then look how I quote unquote turned out. 
I would say that my parents were really good human beings who tried real hard to raise good kids, be good people, and um, leave a mark of their good children on the world. I have two sisters. We're all very, very different, as all kids are. And I think when I look back, they, like all parents, tried their best, knowing what they thought. Their worldview had a bunch of, you know, myths and beliefs that they would believe and pass on to me. And over the years, I've learned that some of those myths and beliefs were just that. They were their beliefs. They were their myths. Some I've taken as my own and some I've known as, oh boy, I didn't get infected by those, but I got infected by others. I mean, you know, my dad would say over and over and over again, be good with people and have a marketable skill. Now, the fact that I can recite that is because he said it thousands of times. <laughs> I basically made a living out. My marketable skill is to being, is being good with people. And I became, <laughs> I became a psychologist and then I, I sell air, you know what I mean? I sell ideas and, and my mission is to, you know, help people be better people. And so his mantra, be good with people and have a marketable and have a marketable skill. I took to heart. I really did. He would often say, you know, look a man square in the eye and give him a firm handshake. That's one of those, you know, techniques of being a good person. And that was his way of trying to teach me this is how you are in the world. My mom, also a very smart, educated, middle-class mother, wife, similar, you know, very basic stuff. Be a thoughtful, considerate person. You know, she said it was on her deathbed and I, she had about two months to live and she was cogent and very, very healthy or healthy enough to speak um, intellectually. She had cancer and was going to die and she knew she was going to die. Very okay about her death. And I interviewed her, videotaped her talking about life lessons. And she said, I always said, and I always tried to teach you guys, treat your friends like family and your family like friends. And I said, you never said that. And she never did. She made up that story. <laughs> she made up that story as a way of describing how she thought she would teach her children. Now, I got to tell you, she never said that, but she did believe that. And I think it's lovely and beautiful and great advice, but she was a good person, not a perfect person, nor was my dad. They both had many flaws, um, which I don't need to go into. But on balance, they did their very best, cared about raising good kids. And frankly, um, I got real lucky, beyond lucky, being born into that family. Lots of people don't have or ha you know, are lucky enough to have had good parents. I got real lucky. I had nothing to do with that. And they were really, really good parents. You know, I would get in trouble and do stupid stuff. And they always had my back and they believed in me and, you know, had a lot of love and support. Um, you know, I was showered with that. So I, I was really, really lucky. It's really interesting for me how so many of the parts when it comes to life, I mean, we truly don't have control over, right? Where you are born, who your parents are going to be, and then anything beyond that. How are you going to be treated? How are you going to be raised, influenced? And I find it oftentimes interesting to hear a story like yours 
where you're able to kind of take a step back and say, okay, my parents weren't perfect. They had their flaws. I'm sure you have plenty of flaws as a parent, as a human, all these other things, just like I do. But I found that within that journey, it's still possible to find grace, forgiveness, you know, some elements of, hey, this is just who I am. And this is how I choose to accept myself. And there's nothing more that I could do besides what's already been done. And I think I'm not a parent yet, but having interviewed plenty of parents by now, it's a journey. And you you said it perfectly. It's a journey of where you the learning never stops. Never stops. And honestly, it's, you know, if my parents were alive today, we would have great conversations about what it's like raising kids. And as they turn into not kids, but adults, what it's like being parents of adults. I have two adult sisters. One is, let's see, one's 75 and the other is 73. And it's very interesting because we're so completely different, yet we grew up in the same household with the same parents. And, you know, it's uh, it's unfathomable how parents have to deal with different kids and do their best with the different kids. And I know that now, and I didn't know it then. And, you know, you get somewhat lucky with the parents you get, and you get somewhat lucky with the kids that you wind up with, and you do the best with who they are. That's as far as I can tell um, for everybody. What I want to do is help people from now until I croak, no matter who their parents were or what the circumstances of their life, regardless of good, bad, or ugly, that I'd love to be able to help people no matter what because a lot of people didn't have great parents and in their lives they often blame on their parents or circumstances that are beyond their control and i you know i have a helping gene if if you will love i i, I enjoy helping people so you know when people lament about their not great childhood or parents I often wish I could remove that narrative, even though it's true. So um, it's easy for me to say, I didn't have a crappy childhood. I wasn't an abused child, I, you know. Um, so maybe I can't. Maybe it's just something that, yep, that's something that just I can't Just an aspiration, help. yeah. You know, I, I, I just don't know. You've been described by a handful of people that mutually you and I both know as someone who has a big heart. And I'm curious, where does that come from? I wish I knew the answer to that. <laughs> Honestly, I, I I don't know. I could I could make up a story and and, and I mean that because I really don't know. I think, and I'm telling you a story. Um that it comes from the feeling I get from being a person with a big heart. In other words, why I'm attracted to this, this heliotropic effect, this wisdom of what it's like to be virtuous, is that when one is 
any of the virtues, let's just use generosity or generosity or compassion, which is another way of describing a big heart, caring for someone. That's a way of describing some of the big heart. I feel great about it. I mean, I, it's it's a it's a feeling. It's like awe is really good. You know, when I walk in nature, turns out I'm not alone when I feel awe. There's something there. When we experience an open heart, call it love, for lack of another expression, it feels pretty wonderful. So I believe that I have discovered, quote unquote, the secret of life, which is living with this open heart, with living with an understanding of what the, the virtues are, their doorways to, for lack of another word, God, you know, for something more spiritual, something awe-inspiring, something quite delicious and nutritious, i.e. having a big heart, being a person who is generous and full of love, man, does that feel a better way to live? Like, like it, it, maybe I'm, I'm lucky enough to experience that. So it's like, hey guys, here's the way it's over here. Open your heart. Here's, you know, the Beatles had it. All you need is love. I mean, well, what's that about? They've been writing about love or having an open heart. Jesus writes about it. What's the, what's this notion? Well, the sages have been writing about it and I experience it. Ain't there some truth to it? So it doesn't feel like it's my thing. It's more like I stumbled on for whatever reason, this is the way to live with more joy that you're happy if you live with an open heart uh everything's better you're yeah. less pissed right so mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i don't know how i got so lucky you know pick any of them like you know people who live with a lot of gratitude how'd you figure that out i, I mean however they figured it out it's pretty real it's scientific you know, all the virtues, curiosity, you've talked about, you've interviewed guests, curiosity is really fabulous. Good, be more curious. Live with more of an open heart. You know, live with more awe, generosity and kindness. Watch what happens when you live like that. It's great. Everything is just better, you know. Food tastes better, what can I tell you? And, and so... Uh, yeah, I got an open heart, but I'm lucky enough to experience that. And I think why I get turned on by the science behind this, this isn't my opinion. The sages have written about it, but the science proves it. So if we can live our lives with more of that, doing more of that which opens our heart, damn, do that. This is like measure twice cut once stuff what a great idea what a great mantra you know don't rush you're going to get into you're going to have an accident you know like that's kind of like shouldn't we already know that yeah well the more you practice i guess it's the practice too makes it drives it home i still rush and whenever I do, I'll, I'll get into some kind of accident. Oh, I got to zoom in 10 minutes. Shit, I got to, I didn't even get, I got a shower. Oh, this is, this is my son. I'm going to just tell him, I'll call him later. Uh, text him, I'll call you later. <laughs> um, so, you ever, 
Go ahead. I, I'm curious in having discovered this because I was thinking about it yesterday when I was walking um, the dog that I'm responsible for. And, and we I was had this thought of having figured out certain things, certain keys for my own life. And I was wondering if other people who have discovered similar things experience this and that's guilt. Do you ever feel guilty or have yes. you ever felt guilty all the time where you had that moment? And it's like, Hey, uh, is it really this simple? Oh, oh yeah. So, so I like to listen to everything and see if I can figure out what's going on. So just as a simple, like what the hell's going on? What, what's going on? Whatever that is, that's internal and external. What the hell's going on? If I feel, if I'm aware that I'm feeling guilt or guilty about, uh Oh, what am I feeling guilty about? I got to probe and figure it out. Damn it. It's usually I did something I shouldn't have done. I hate that. Oh, yeah, 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 you did. You can either tell somebody or do something or clean them or ignore it. But, but same thing with regret or guilt. Let it be a simple like, dude, what's that? Oh, I should have done that. What was it? There's a little knowing. There's a little gnawing voice inside that says, you know, you should have done blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I know. That's what the guilt. I think it's a little... Dude, you walk past the litter. You saw it. Why didn't you pick it up? Yeah. What? What? Or whatever it is. Like, you know, you did. You know, um, you did a little something that you probably shouldn't have done. Pay attention, and you'll see. Yeah, yeah. Shouldn't it's small? I'll go clean it up, or it's gonna gnaw at me like a pebble in my shoe or a piece of glass in my shoe, and I, I better go fix it. I got to either go clean it up. I think guilt is good. Not not as a big, heavy-handed, uh, negative self-talk, you're such a jerkwad, you know, guilt trip. I, I'm, that's not helpful. But something that nudges us conscience, you know, the, the Freudians would call it a super ego. Somebody else would call it conscience. My son is texting me. Let me just see if it's something. Oh, yeah, no problem. Um, I had a tiny bit of guilt. Ooh, did I just ignore him or was that mm. something important? So I took mm -hmm. care of it. Okay. <laughs> you know, seriously, what if it were an emergency and I was like, no, yeah. I'm this podcast. You're, you're not as important as this podcast. Wrong. But I just cleaned it up, you know? So I like to listen, listen, listen. If I'm paying attention, everything is revealed. If you're paying attention and when you miss it, it's going to be revealed. You know what I mean? You think you missed something. Well, you're going to, you're, it's going to be shown to you. Everything is revealed in time. If you're paying attention, I knew I shouldn't have done that. Well, you were right. I mean, I, I'm just reading, rereading this great book, talking to strangers, Malcolm Gladwell. Yes. Mm -hmm. About, about how we miss stuff. You know, it's similar to his book blink. You know, we have a little sensing that something's off about someone and we and we don't listen to it something feels a little off about someone but we go now it's i'm just i'm i'm making it up and sometimes it turns out you're not making it up you were you were right you weren't listening you didn't pay attention to that little thing that was something seems off about oleg there's something a little weird about him nah there's nothing and and if you pay a real attention sometimes you can go i wasn't wrong I was not wrong about that thing that seemed slightly off. I chose to ignore it. I'd like a, I'd like to live a life where I'm not ignoring the thing that feels a little off. Because I'm gonna I'm gonna miss stuff. Man, oh man, am I gonna miss stuff? And I know that. I'm not gonna guilt myself out, but I'm gonna 
I'm going to miss stuff. Uh, you know, you know what I mean by that? I'm going to miss stuff. I'm going to step right past something I should, shouldn't step right past. Well, I, I also think, I don't know if it's fully possible to be aware of all the things, right? Yeah. yeah. So much of it is, is circumstantial and yeah. what we choose to focus on. And I, I really like how you, you've said this multiple times throughout this conversation where the things that you choose to focus on, they reappear, they come in different forms but they do become more apparent. It's the whole example of a yellow car, right? As yep. soon as you focus on one, all you see are yellow cars. Totally. And and really, like those cars have have always been there. <laughs> it's just that your awareness has brought to it, and you are so attuned to it. And I think it's the same exact thing when it comes to whatever it might be, conflict, right? Anger, yep. all those situations. I'm a huge believer that the more you focus on it, the more you're going to attract those things into your life and then from there i i've even stopped blaming myself it's like why am i experiencing this good it's because you that's should what I'm focusing you should hold it i'm you know let's do therapy on you right now you, really, <laughs> you, you stop blaming yourself immediately the yellow car the yellow car metaphor is perfect our eyes will it will start to see the yellow car when you're looking for them and in my metaphor life it's be the sun not the salt that mm. simple metaphor if you see that you'll look for the beauty in life and you'll also see when salt occurs and you can understand not that guy's fault. That's how he was raised. That's how, you know, he was triggered. He didn't have a good night's sleep. He didn't eat well. Poor thing. Have some compassion. Don't get pissed at him. Don't try and change him. Don't get why he shouldn't be that way. You know what I mean? It's the yellow car metaphor. I want to live my life seeing the yellow car, or in this case, being the sun and not the salt as a way of both seeing and being period. And the more we practice it, the more automatic it gets. So we say please and thank you automatically. We don't have to work at it. We hold the door for people automatically. We don't have to work at holding the door. Yeah. And that it metaphor becomes subconscious. It yep. becomes exactly. And we become quote unquote better, happier, more loving, more open hearted, more joyful people aligned with the heliotropic force which is all around us man oh man let's let's surf on it let's get aligned with it let's let's live our lives doing good being good helping others you know chapter one today's a good day to do good do some good today i mean how are you going to go wrong if you do some good today oleg you can't you know don't blame you if you and if you mess up if you mess up just do the next right thing it's another chapter and, and then if you screw up, apologize well. It's another chapter. No big deal, Ferris wheel. Don't don't get all, well, why did I do that? Whatever. Well, there's probably 10 reasons. You want to go into all 10? There, there. Okay, whatever. Get up and do it again. Get up and do it again. Let's go forth and do amazing good, Oleg. Let's spread this to the world, Oleg. Let's, let's help as many people as possible see the yellow car. All I got to do is just pay attention. Like they're all, look at them all. Look at all those yellow cars. You know, the yellow little book that, oh man, I I saw another example. Good. They're all around us. You know, there's a great Sanskrit quote, Yadrishti Sashrishti. I think I'm saying it wrong, but it's the world is as you see it. You know, the old, the old, the aphorism, guy's walking down the road and he comes up to the, 
to a fellow and he says, uh, what are the people like in the village up ahead? And the guy says, well, what were the people like in the village you came from? Oh, they were awful, really self-centered, toxic, really salty. And I says, well, you're going to find the same people in the village up ahead. Another mm. guy comes along. What are the people like in the village up ahead? Well, what were they like in the village you came from? They were delightful, full of sun and joy and, and gratitude. You're going to find the same people in the village up ahead. You know, the world is as you see it. You're If you're going to see, you're going to look for evil. There's plenty of evil. Rotten, no good for nothing. Thieving sons of a guns. Tons of them. Yep. No question about it. What do you want to focus on? And by the way, the media loves to talk about that because it's interesting. Did you hear about Sally who stole from Susie? Did you hear about so-and-so who did such and such to him? Oh my God. The function of gossip, the function of, you know, tragedy and, and evil, you know, that's what's interesting. So anyway. I was very fortunate to have come across your book on actually Joanne's and Bob's um, book table at their home when I was visiting Carson and them however many weeks ago by now. <clears throat> For anyone else who is not as close of friends with them, where can people find the book? Where can people connect with you? I love it. I love that you asked and I will do whatever it takes to help people get it. You can find the book on Amazon. You can have it in two days. It's 15 bucks or you can get it on Audible. It's four bucks. So you can go to Amazon, be the sun, not the salt. That's the easiest way to get the book. And if you want to find more stuff on how to connect with and spread and practice, be the sun, not the salt, go to be the sun, not the salt.com. Real simple. Or follow me on Instagram. There's a whole team now of people that ask me to do 60 second little clips on Instagram um, to help be sunny, not salty. And it'll allow all of us. My mission is to nudge us, inspire us, help us, nudge me, nudge you to lean into this material in the most practical ways possible. Let's collect other stories. So that's the way. You can get it on Amazon, Oleg. You can find it on be the sun, not the salt.com or be sunny, not salty on Instagram. And let's figure out how to spread this. You get it. And, and it's not complicated. I often say, you don't have to read the book. Just look at the cover. Cover is the whole point. It's a simple picture of a tree, you know, flourishing because of the sun on its leaves. And the other side of the tree is dead from salt being poured on it. That's it. And I want to practice that, spread this, live this. And Oleg, you are helping me. And I'm so grateful to you for helping me do this. And I appreciate you in a hundred million ways. So thank you, my brother. Oh, thank you. Thank you all for listening to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. If you haven't done so already, please consider subscribing to our future episodes so you can receive all of the latest content also, if you like what you heard, consider leaving us a review on iTunes, Facebook, or Google so more people can find these inspiring and courageous conversations. Once again, we thank you for listening, and we look forward to having you next time.